With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Adam Bittner, Assistant Sports Editor for Multimedia at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, joined from Atlanta by Seth Engel, our Post-Gazette and Daily Collegiate Nittany Lions insider for our weekly Penn State podcast. Getting you ready for the Peach Bowl on Saturday at noon, Penn State Ole Miss inside the Mercedes-Benz Dome or Stadium, whatever they call it down there in Atlanta. Uh, Seth, how is how are you? How was, how was your trip and, and how are the uh, early days here in Atlanta? Yeah, trip was pretty easy. Um, flew from Chicago, so it was, you know, no more than two-hour flight. Um, got here last night, kind of settled in. Um, really nice setup. You know, it's a it's a very nice hotel and um, had some free Chick-fil-A waiting out um, when we got here. So that was great. And then today, you know, had some some press conferences early in the in the morning with coordinators and players. And um, then we went to, to Mercedes-Benz and, and we saw some of practice. So um, it's been good, been a little busy, but but it's been it's been fun for sure. So I'm looking forward to uh, you know continuing this coverage this week. Absolutely, you got to look at the team, like you mentioned. Um, are there any names out there that we don't know whether they're in or out yet that you're still keeping an eye on? I specifically wanted to ask about Kalen King because I know James Franklin talked about him yesterday, and I know you saw Trey Wallace uh, on the field at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So what's your What's your sense of, of who's in and who's out for this bowl game that, that maybe we didn't know the last time we spoke? Yeah, I think most of the guys who we may have predicted would have opted out, um, you know, near the end of the regular season are here, you know, for the most part. Um, Chop Robinson is the lone official opt out. Um, but the only guy who we really haven't had word from yet um, and who isn't, you know, with the team, as far as we know, is is Johnny Dixon. Um, that second cornerback, you know, beside Kalen King, um, who, as you mentioned, you know, is in town, uh, was practicing with the rest of the team. Um, we don't know if he'll play um, or how much, you know, but he is here and he's practicing. Um, so he's participating in, in some fashion. Um, but Johnny Dixon, I, I cannot say the same for. Yeah, very interesting. Um, big headline, I think, from this past week, Tyler Warren returning at the tight end. Um, been a real safety blanket for Drew Aller. Um, what's your sense of of the motivations there? Do you think he can put up some stats that might impress the sc- scouts a little bit more and and do some things in this offense that we haven't seen from him yet? Well, I'm looking forward to seeing Tyler Warren just kind of hone a role um, that was maybe similar to the one that um, Pat Fryermuth or Mike Kosicki had, um, or even Brenton Strange for a little bit, where you know not really splitting snaps with you know, another tight end, it's really just him, 
um, manning the targets. Um, <clears throat> and that should be the case next year. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, Warren's a big body, as you mentioned. Like, he's a tight end machine. He's a red zone um, kind of guru. Um, and he's six touchdowns away from becoming um, the the leader in Penn State history and, and touchdowns by a tight end um, would break Pat Fryermuth's record. So I think going into next year, there's a lot that he can do, especially under a new system that I think really does value explosiveness, um, especially in the pass game. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a big get for Penn State, especially because we're going to talk a little bit about the receiver and the portal situation. Um, but you know, there hasn't been any haven't been any big wins that there yet. But Tyler Warren coming back, I think you could classify as as a win, right? It's he wasn't in the portal, but you were thinking he might go to the NFL. Now you're getting him back, um, and and maybe putting him in a prominent role, more prominent role. Um, so so that's a you know a good first step, I think, for this offense in this passing game specifically. Um, Seth, uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the feel around town. I, I know it's still early in the week. It's a, it's a Saturday game. So I'm not sure how many Penn Staters are kind of making a week vacation of it in Atlanta, but, um, we know the game is sold out. What is your sense of, of what that crowd's going to look like? Do you think this might be a, a glorified road game with a lot of Ole Miss fans making the trip over? Or do you think there's going to be a sizable Penn State contingent based on what you've seen around town? Well, you know, Penn State always travels well, um, and I think it's easy enough to get to get to from, you know, Philadelphia or Pittsburgh um, or any of these, you know, major cities, um, even Chicago, uh, New York. Like it, it's easy enough to get to um, where, you know, it's a one, two hour flight uh, for people to come down. So I, I think that I would expect a lot of Penn State fans to make it here. Um, Ole Miss, you know, big fan base as well. Very passionate. Um they should be here um, just based on how close it is. Um, it is the South. Um, with that being said, you know, Mercedes Benz is going to be electric. Like we were there today, obviously no one in the stands, but just being in there, um, it's a, it's a pretty remarkable stadium. Um, they had, you know, up top um, there, it's, it, it's kind of hard to describe. Like their ceiling is like very unique, and there's just like a spinning little. It just, I don't even know how to describe it, but you'll see it during the game. Um, and it's 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 pretty cool. Like it's going to be pretty electric, and um, I'm looking forward to kind of just seeing that in full in full form. Um, considering how how kind of great Ford Field was, um, I think this this should be uh, something special for sure. Yeah, I think there's a little bit more excitement about this game, Seth, now that it's like here and, you know, it's 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 upon us and it's not the end of a long regular season where I think even the fans maybe got a little bit tired and were like, oh, the Peach Bowl, it's not the Rose Bowl, it's not going to have the same cachet, but they do a great job down there. And I think, you know, I'm starting to see people get a little bit more excited um, on social media and stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, let's dig into this matchup specifically. Are you excited to see Penn State's offense against a good team? but not necessarily a, that has a defense the caliber of an Ohio State or a Michigan, um, you know, because I think the big rub on this this Penn State offense is it doesn't play well against yeah. good teams. But I, I think Ole Miss has enough flaws defensively that, that you know, maybe you could have a, a good outing for Penn State. Do you think this is a, a matchup you're looking forward to seeing for this team? Yeah, I think especially going into next year too, um, to answer some questions when you have some of these unique – you know, maybe pack 12 teams in your schedule um, that aren't really known for their defense. Um, but nonetheless, you know, they're some of the best teams in college football um, and their offense has really done that for them. You know, the Big Ten, it's hard to win um, because you play Michigan and Ohio State every year. And those are 
two dominant defenses who also have, you know, pretty legitimate offenses. So you have to kind of tackle both of those. Ole Miss, it's a different story. Um, you know, very dominant offense. It's pretty great what Lane Kiffin's been able to do there in a couple of years. Um, and that defense, you know, this is a program that is on the up and up um, defensively. You know, just got Walter Nolan out of the transfer portal, obviously won't play in the Peach Bowl. Um, but this is, you know, a team that I think wants to win and has something to play for, just considering the fact that they're they're going all in next year. Um, maybe a little similar to how Penn State's vibe was going into the Rose Bowl last year. So that's something I'm looking for. But, you know, it should be fun just to have, you know, a good team, you know, that that's better than Iowa, um, but, you know, maybe a little less dominant than, than Ohio State or Michigan. Yeah. Do you think the bar for for Penn State in this game is a lot? Some of the splash plays that we saw against Michigan State, obviously, this is this is a better team. They're in they're in a New Year's six bowl. They're not going to they're not they didn't lose their coach before the season even really got going, um, weren't plagued by scandal, things like that. But, you know, I think if you're Penn State, you, there, there's still going to be the opportunity to make those explosive plays that we didn't see all season until they were in Detroit. To feel good about this game, do you need to see some chunk plays? Like if they if they win a game that looks like the Iowa game, which I don't think they will, but they'll just hypothetically, I don't know if you feel great about that going into the offseason, even if you win 31 nothing. But I think if you see some of that explosiveness from the running backs and Drew Aller downfield specifically – um, is, is that, is that where you're the vibes you're looking for and kind of keeping that momentum from Michigan state going, even if you don't get it in the same volume you did there? Yeah. Well, I think you'd like to be as explosive as possible, um, which was, you know, obviously the goal all year. Um, what's hard is, is the fact that they're still running that same playbook, um, that they've been going with, you know, even when Mike Yersich was at the helm, um, and maybe Howell and Sider have mixed up their packages a little more, um, change the amount of times they use certain things but for the most part you know it is still that same offensive system um when it comes to week one next year you know this is going to be a very different offense schematically than i think we saw all of this season um andy kotelnicki um has tricks up his sleeve that i don't think you know even you know his his fellow penn state coaches right now know what he's going to do next year um you know, so that'll be that'll be interesting. Uh, I, I don't foresee him, you know, having any kind of role in the play calling um, for the Peach Bowl. Uh, but you know, maybe he threw a couple plays out there, and then and maybe we'll see that come to fruition um, that that they've been working on in practice. But you know, just moving forward, I, I think just base like explosiveness is is key to show that Drew Aller is able to throw the ball, you know, fifty yards downfield and do it consistently. I think is you know, something you'd like to see no matter who's calling the shots. I want to get into the defense here in a second, but speaking of Andy Codal, Nikki, did you watch any of the guaranteed rate bowl last night? There were some, uh, there were some big plays in that game from Kansas, even without him there. Um, I, you know, it was my first time I, I was looking at them through the lens of, okay, this is the offense Penn States, you know, hypothetically going to be running next year. And, right. and, you know, I, I, there was that one 60 yard touchdown in particular that was schemed so perfectly um, if you're a Penn State fan, I feel like you had to watch that game and come away excited. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to the deal. 
Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I, I caught a little bit of the game, but, you know, it is it is interesting. Kind of going back to what I was just saying, where um, even after an offensive coordinator is gone, like they've gone the whole season under the same system. This is what they know. Um, that's the same case at Kansas right now. Um, so, you know, the fact that they're still finding their explosiveness, you know, using kind of what they learned from from Kotal Nicky, um, even with them gone, I, I think is promising for Penn State. Um, and it was kind of interesting, too, that it was UNLV on the other side um, with another, you know, Penn State offensive coordinator candidate in uh, Brandon Marion. So, you know, that was that was a little interesting. And, you know, they ended up, you know, coming back, too. Um, so that was a pretty you know, good offensive game all around, um, you know, and I guess it's it's kind of safe to say like Penn State probably would have had a good one, um, no matter who they would have chosen there. Um, but I think they got the best option in, in uh, Kotal Nicky. The guaranteed rate bowl always seems to deliver. Whatever they call it, I remember when it was the Insight.com Bowl back when uh, Pitt went there a couple years in a row with Larry Fitzgerald. Then it was the, uh, I think it was the Cheez-It Bowl, and then Cheez-It bailed out and went to some other bowl. Yeah. Guaranteed rate bowl. That well, game, the, though, in Phoenix always delivers when you don't expect it to. Yeah, the Cheez-It Bowl is now like the Citrus Bowl, which is strange to me because it just – I don't know. The, it just doesn't align like Cheez-Its and, and Citruses. It's, I don't know. It's it's weird. Um, but I guess that's, you know, modern era, modern era of like college football. Let's talk about this defense, Seth. I think this is I think this is a statement game for this unit. I think, you know, you, you didn't quite – you played decently. I think you played well enough to win against Ohio State and Michigan. But those were the two really good offenses that, that you, you went up against and you lost. Is this a game that you look at as a chance for this defense to kind of cement its legacy and prove, no, we didn't just play, you know, dominantly against teams that weren't any good. We went out there and we dominated – a really good offense in, in Lane Kiffin and play caller in Lane Kiffin. Um, I think I think this if you go out there and, and you do dominate this team defensively, that that you can hold this defense up with some of the best in Penn State history. But I think that they have to do it, and I, I, so I think there's a little bit of import, you know, for how this this group is remembered. I think you already can put them up in that category. Um, if I'm being honest, I, I think this is one of the you know best defenses in Penn State history, and there have been a lot, a lot of great defensive defenses have come through um you know they're already leading the country in total defense you know they're they're leading in in sacks and um i believe they're second in tackles for loss like this is a very dominant defense um that's proven it against good offensive teams you know despite the losses to Iowa State and Michigan um you know they held them they held them to you know less than 25 points each um these were two offenses that were averaging you know well over 30 a game um shut out, you know, multiple teams for the first time in a long time. Um, so I think this is uh, a very dominant defense. What I'm looking for is the fact that they can do it, but do it without Manny Diaz and do it without, you know, maybe some of their best defensive players playing all four quarters, um, which I don't foresee. Like we talked about Kalen King and, you know, Adise Isaac and Curtis Jacobs. Like I, 
there was a plan in place to get these guys to come and not opt out. And I don't think that plan includes, you know, some of these potential first, second, third rounders, you know, playing a whole game and potentially risking injury. Um, so to be able to continue that dominance, um, but do it without their defensive coordinator and do it maybe without some of their leaders for most of the game, um, I think is, is something to watch for sure. Absolutely. And you know why I think it's also important, Seth, and you mentioned this more on the offensive side, but I'm, I'm interested how a, a team like Penn State will match up with some of these Pac-12 teams that have shown a little bit more offensive firepower than a lot of the Big Ten. And, and I think, you know, Ole Miss is not exactly like those teams, but it's more in those – in that stylistically is a team more like those Pac-12 right. teams than it is like Ohio State and Michigan. Um, are, are you just curious to see how Penn State matches up in a game like that where, where – you know, they're maybe it's not the, one of the best teams in the country, but it's still really good, and, and they can still challenge them. Because um, I think it's it's just a great you know mix up of styles. Yeah, definitely. I think this is a fun matchup all around. You know, it's they said it kind of when the, when it was announced um, at the first press conference. You know, Gary Stoken, the Peach Bowl CEO, he goes, you know, this is going to be a game of um, one of the nation's best offenses and one of the nation's best defenses. You really couldn't script it any better. Um, I just think that the matchup is uh, is ideal. Um, and the fact that, you know, neither team has had any opt-outs at all, um, despite a defense and a piece from each team, I think, you know, this is going to be a fun one. You know, this is a, these are going to be two teams that are relatively near full strength. And I think both have something to play for, both going for 11 win seasons and both trying to, uh, you know, make something happen before, you know, potentially making a run next year in an expanded playoff. Who needs this game more, Lane Kiffin or James Franklin? They both kind of have a reputation for wilting in, in bigger games. Um, I don't know how much I've agreed with that with regard to James Franklin because he's gone out and he's won a Rose Bowl. He's yeah. gone, won a Fiesta Bowl against Washington. I don't know if I put the Cotton Bowl in that category, but, um, you know, he, he's he's won some big games in his career. Does Lane Kiffin need this more to establish himself where I think, you know, some of his more adoring fans in the media fancy him as one of the best coaches in America? Um, I think there's more pressure on Lane Kiffin, but but that's just me. Yeah, to play devil's advocate, you know, for James Franklin, um, this is a guy who, you know, came up short again against the two teams he had to beat. Um, and people are starting to say again, oh, James Franklin can't beat good teams. Um, I just think that, you know, Penn State needs this win. You know, they, they need to end the season on a high note to kind of bring back some of those high spirits that um, they saw after winning the Rose Bowl, like that whole offseason. Um, you know, the, the hopes were high. Um, and I think that, you know, after the Michigan loss, things kind of dipped down a little bit. And I think they need to bring that back. Um, with that being said, I do think Lane Kiffin needs this more. You know, this is – um, James Franklin has had his New Year's Six Bowls. You know, this would be Penn, Penn State would become the first team to win all New Year's Six Bowls with a Peach Bowl win. Um, you know, that's that's good and bad considering they've missed out on the playoffs every year. Um, but Ole Miss is looking for for number one under Kiffin, um, so I think they need this win, um, especially considering next year with the success they've had in the transfer portal and in recruiting and on the field this whole year. I think they need this um, to move forward and potentially win a national championship um, in due time. 
Seth, I wanted to touch on a couple other things that we've been monitoring on the podcast. Number one, the transfer portal, specifically the receiver situation there. Um, seen some crystal ball predict- predictions for Julian Fleming to be the guy at Penn State. Mm-hmm. They've missed out on a lot of, of other guys um, that, you know, so from top programs, good pedigree. How do you read that situation? Do you think do you think it's possible that people are taking it as as you know maybe an article of faith that Julian Fleming is going to go to Penn State and therefore the the number one role that a lot of guys are looking for may already be somewhat spoken for, especially if Keandre Lambert Smith comes back. You know, then I would think you're not you're not coming to be a one or a two. You may be coming to be a number three. Is is it possible that's that's what's going on here? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's definitely strange, um, and it's strange to me when I see you know a guy on Penn State's radar then go to a school that does already have a number one wide receiver or has brought in multiple receivers in the portal, um, and Penn State has kind of been left stranded. You know, the only transfer they've brought in this year was was a kicker. Um, you know, they brought in a you know an old line Division two player who you know ended up flipping to Maryland, so they're left with one guy right now. Um, and Julian Fleming, it's kind of funny last week. I don't know if you saw this, uh, but you know, put, putting on his Instagram story, um, a picture of his new car tagged with a blaze Alexander, um, you know, sticker on the back kind of confirming like, okay, he's been in, he's in center County. Um, just a matter of time, I think before that one's official. Um, but I, I don't know if that kind of skews people away. You know, I think that competition is good. Um, I, I just, you know, I think it's a matter of, of, maybe NIL. I think it's a matter of, you know, coachability, you know, is there really um, a body of work that tells transfer receivers like, okay, if you come here, you know, we'll make it work for you. Like, I just don't think under the first year under Marcus Hagens that they really, they really showed that. Um, there has to be trust in, in Andy Kotelnicki. There has to be trust in James Franklin and, you know, also trust in Drew Allard to get it done. And I just don't know um, if we completely saw that from from a wide from a wide receiver perspective um, in, in 2023, um, which could you know potentially have something to do with with the difficulties to bring in you know a, a number of receivers here. If you go into 20, let's just let's play hypothetical here. If you go into 2024 with Julian Fleming as your number one and Keandre Lambert Smith as your number two, or you know maybe they flip that combination, but those are your top two guys. Um, are you feeling are you feeling better about the situation and Penn State's ability to compete, or do you think they still need to find at least one more guy for for you to kind of change your opinion on? I think the lacking depth in that room. I think that Harrison Wallace the third is is a guy um, who could you know make a big jump next year if he's able to stay healthy the whole year. 
Um, this was a guy who's been hurt since October. And today we see him, he's back at practice. Um, and, and Theo Johnson was hyping him up, you know, saying this is a guy we thought in the preseason was going to be wide receiver one, um, you know, plays, you know, only a handful of games and he's out for, for most of the year. Um, so to kind of see him integrate in with, with the rest of the offense and, you know, pair with Keandre and then another guy and Julian Fleming, who we know can play at, at the Big Ten level. Um, you know, Dante Cephas was a guy that we didn't know if he could handle something that wasn't, you know, the Mac. Um, and obviously it, it took him some time to be able to do that. Um, Julian Fleming, we know, you know, he, I think he's been um, behind a number of great receivers, which has kind of held him back in a way in terms of the targets he receives. Um, but I think him having, you know, some separation and, and being able to kind of make a name for himself, I think is good. Um, but you know, it's it's really hard to say that I'm confident in that room, just considering what I saw from, you know, Keandre and, and, and the rest of that group, you know, this year. I think I'm more confident. I don't know if I'm overall confident, but I'm definitely more confident if you get a, a certified, you know, former four or five star recruit um, kind of guy in here that has some potential, still has some upside, maybe didn't get to show it. Um, I, I think that's one of the that's probably the best you can hope for in the transfer portal, right? Like the programs that have those guys that don't have, you know, some reason or another to leave in the first place, you're not going to get a perfect player in the portal nine times out of 10. Um, But so I think Julian Fleming is about as well as you can do. I'd like to see them bolster that with another guy. Um, But if that's the best you do, I I think you feel a little bit better about that group going into next year. Um, You know, maybe a guy like Omari Evans steps up. I don't know. Um, You know, they've still got some lottery tickets in there. Right, well, uh, we're not doing that again. I mean, Mari Evans. This is like I feel like every off season, and I know you're just throwing a name out there, but I just have to say, like, I we've been waiting on a Mari Evans to break out for like the past two years since he stepped on campus because he's just been hyped up every off season. Like, oh, this is the year for Mari Evans, and maybe next year is the year. Um, but he, this was the guy we were talking about, like in the preseason. Like, maybe he's the number three um, when they're still looking for that number three, which th- they were the whole year. Um, he never stepped up, but you know, it's just interesting to me that like, I don't know, we're doing this again. Like it's like Amari Evans, you know, that, but I know it's just a name, but you're right. You're right. You know, having, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I just put him in that lottery ticket division yeah. stuff where, you know, could boom or bust. I, I think about Irv Charles running that uh, touchdown against Minnesota that arguably was saved the season. That was all he ever did at Penn state. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, if you get a, a guy who can make one of those plays in the season, he can change everything. It's true. Um, so, you know, I wonder, I wonder about, you know, those guys and, and if they can step up and, and, you know, hit the jackpot, so to speak, um, a couple of times. Um, Seth, before I let you go, I want to get your impressions of Tom Allen. We saw him on the signing day press conference. I think that was after you and I last talked. Um, what did you, what was your impressions of being on that call with him and, and what he had to say? Yeah, Tom Allen. I mean, he's very energetic. Um and that was something I kind of saw from, from Andy Kotelnicki too, is just, this is a guy um, who walks in the room and it's just full energy. You know, it's a guy that, you know, if you are a player, it, it probably isn't too hard to buy in. And uh, he, he knows how to command a room and command a whole team considering, you know, he was a head coach for the past seven years um, at the big 10 level known for his energy, known for his high spirit Um He's a guy that also doesn't really have too much history as a defensive coordinator. Um, you know, he last served as Indiana's DC back in 2016. 
And, uh, you know, so there are some question marks there. Like, is he ready to be a DC and call the shots and, and run a defensive system, um, a successful defensive system, um, considering Indiana's defense wasn't anything to write home about in the past couple of years. Um, but I think, I think that he will be, you know, relatively successful um, just because I think there's at a certain point, I think that your culture and, and your, you know, presence sometimes matters more than the system you're running, especially if it's a similar system to the one that was already in place, um, which will be the case. You know, when Manny Diaz run the same defense, um, I think it's just a matter of kind of instilling that same um, personality um, and, and will to, to play hard that I think Manny Diaz was able to, to do so well in two years here. DeAndre Tompkins was the other name I was thinking about. Of yeah, the uh, could could that be the Omari Evans arc here, right? Of like yeah. I think people always had these very high expectations for Tom Tompkins, and he never quite met them. But he dominated that Big Ten championship game to the point yeah. you're never going to forget that game. Um, so he's another one that, that I threw Irv Charles out there, but he was such a one hit wonder, truly. But I, I think Tompkins is maybe like what we'd be talking about here: a solid college receiver, probably has no future at the next level. Uh, but, you know, can Saeed, make a few big plays. Saeed Blacknall you could throw out there too. I mean, it was him and Tompkins that kind of blew up in that yeah. Big Ten championship. Like, yeah, you're right though. Like it just takes one explosive route and it changes the course of your year. Yeah, so that's what I'm looking for from those guys down the depth chart. Uh, Seth, any final thoughts from Atlanta? I'm looking forward to talking to you next week after we have a game to talk about and uh, maybe a little bit more roster fallout. Um, final thoughts? No, I think just, you know, basically the roster as it is and as it traveled is, is what you'll see on the field on Saturday. Um, not sure exactly if, if Trey Wallace is going to play, but um, will be interesting to monitor. Um, Tom Allen and, and Andy Kotelnicki will probably be on the sidelines as they were at practice today, you know, not calling the shots, but just there, um, which is, you know, cool and, and something to look for. Um, this is this is a big game for Penn State, but it's also a really big game for Ole Miss. And you know, as we talked about before, maybe an even bigger game for Ole Miss. Um, but I, I think that when you do pair a really good defense with a really good offense, it makes for you know a, a pretty you know enticing matchup. So you know, I'm looking forward to Saturday, but um, we have a lot more coverage to do. So we're gonna, we're gonna pump that out. Seth, enjoy Atlanta. Enjoy the hospitality suite. Uh, I'm not sure what they got down there. Uh, and I will talk to you again next week. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. Take care. Thanks for watching, everyone. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for checking out this content from Post Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com.